You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. series uh, last week, which really goes back to two weeks ago on uh, the book of Genesis. And we're, we're looking at how important Genesis is uh, to, to help people to understand uh, really what life is all about. It's, it's, it's a foundation of how God created the heavens and the earth. Um, and many of you probably have been impacted in some way if not you, maybe your family members, by uh, the, the, the teaching of, of uh, evolution, um, the teaching that of, of maybe atheism and, and, uh, or maybe someone agnostic and agnostic believe that there, there maybe is a God, maybe there's not, but if there is a God, he's really not uh, interested in your affairs. He's very far from you. Atheism is that there is no God. And, uh, and then, uh, that, you know, most atheists will, will teach that, uh, that uh, everything happened through a big bang and everything evolved from that big bang. So we talked about that two weeks ago. If you weren't here, uh, Scott Gillis was here from the Creation uh, Institute, gave a wonderful, wonderful presentation on, on that subject. Um, so if you uh, have not seen that, you can go on our website and, uh, and go to that message that was preached two weeks ago. Then last week, I brought more of a theological um, mindset to, to the book of Genesis and talked about God as creator and sustainer of life and how in the beginning, God is the answer to uh, the, the basic questions that everybody has. You know, uh, where did everything come from? In the beginning, God, uh, he created the heavens and the earth. And not only did he create the heavens and the earth, but he sustains the heavens and the earth. We can, we can be sure that it doesn't matter what we're facing, God is going to take care of us. Amen? And, and so, so we found that premise in, in, uh, in, in the account of Genesis. And we read through chapter 1. It was an overview of the whole chapter. And we found in, in, in chapter 1 that, uh, that not only is God creator and sustainer, and that uh, he created the world through, through Jesus. We find out in John 1 that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? And the word being Jesus. And so everything was created through Christ and for Christ. So we, we learned that. But we also, uh, our, another takeaway was that the God that, we, that, 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 that brought everything into being is a God of order. He's a God of structure. And uh, if you have chaos in your life, it's because you need to draw closer to, to God. And there's a lot of chaos in our world. And the reason that I believe there's so much chaos is because people are very far from, from God. And the closer that we get to God through Jesus, the more that we have order and structure in our life. Because we have a basis. We have a foundation for living. And, uh, and when we have Christ in our lives, uh, we, we have that wonderful thing. And we, we also learned last week... That, uh, that we are, uh, through God, he built us for community, and with God, there's diversity. So there's a lot of, uh, uh, the, the animal kingdom is very diverse, 
Um, and then the, the, the plants that God created are very diverse, each having their own kind, their own seed. Um, but it also teaches us that God created people for community. And we need each other. In fact, you're better today because you've gathered in the name of Jesus to worship him. And there's something that's happening in your soul, in your spirit, because God is meeting you, though you're diverse. You come from different social classes. You come from uh, different ethnic groups. But you're one in Christ. Amen? In fact, we can be safe to say that... Uh, we will never be together with the same people in, in probably in our lifetime. The, the gathering that we have right now is very unique because there, were, there are people that are visiting here today that you might not be back um, uh, and have the same group together. So it's, it's a God-ordained meeting. Amen? And, and I believe when we meet together as the people of God that God is here where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, he is there. And he's going to speak some truth into your life that's going to help you for, you know, for the rest of, of your life. So this week, um, we're going to be looking at something that maybe you've asked a question about. Um, <clears throat> the Bible talks about man and woman being created in the image of God. You ever heard that? We've been created in the image of God. And have you ever wondered, what does that mean? What does it mean? We're going to look at that subject. Um, and it's, it's very important that we look at some things in Genesis and we really hone into it. We really dig deeper into the, the deeper truth of, of, of the Bible. Because if we don't understand what it means to, to, to bear the image of God, then how are you going to walk out the image of God? How are you going to live it out? How are you going to explain it to other people? And so uh, we're going to look at verses 26 through 31 of chapter 1. And in that, I have several takeaways that I believe will, will help us to at least consider uh, what I'm saying. And, 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 and maybe the Lord will speak something to your heart. So uh, verse 26 goes like this in the NLT. Uh, then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Now, the word for God there is Elohim. It's a plural word. And yet, God is, is, is one, right? We're going to see that in a little bit. But then God is revealed to us in three persons. We see that in the New Testament. He's revealed to us in, in the person of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So when you look back from, from the person of Jesus and you look from the revelation of Christ, we understand that, that God is one Revealed in three. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and small animals that scurry along the ground. Um, so that's vital. Just right away we find out that, that we're supposed to subdue uh, animals and, and, and vegetation. We're supposed to lord over them. Uh, I don't think that anyone came this morning. How many of you have pets? Anyone have pets? Raise your hand. Yeah, most of us have pets. How many of your dogs told you to sit this morning and wait to be fed? If they did, come and talk to me after the service. 
No, we were the ones that told our dogs, hey, uh, for Sean and I, it's, it's, it's Kobe and, and Aspen, and, and we feed them. They wait, you know, they wait patiently for us to feed them. And, and, and so, you know, we're the ones that, that does that. It goes back to Scripture that he said, uh, you will reign over them. Verse 27, so God created human beings in his, notice I went from, from us to in his own image. In the image of God, he created them Male and female, he created them. Now put that in your pocket because we're, we're really going to dig deep into that because God's not confused with gender. People are. And the only time that people are confused with gender is when they are far removed from, from God. The, the further we are removed from God, the further we are from, from Christ, the more confusion we have in our lives. Then God, then God blessed them, verse 28, and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. And if you're married here, say amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How many of you love your children? Your grandchildren? How many of you love making? I mean, don't go, don't go there. Reign over, that's another message, by the way, that's another series. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 29, then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the trees for your food. And I've given you every green plant as food for all the, uh, 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 let me go back. And I have given every green plant and as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life, and that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. Very good. Okay? What does it mean to be created in the image of God? Here's the first thing that it means. It means that you are God's prized creation. You're the prize. You're special. There's no one like you. Someone say, thank the Lord for that. <laughs> Some of you, God, God took special, he took overtime with you. So God said, let us make human beings in our image. That, that, that just tells you that there's something very, very prized about you. To be like us. You were created to have some attributes that God has. God created you to, to reign to reign, to be a prince, right, to be a princess. In fact, that's something that I say to my, my grandkids all the time. I used to tell my daughter, you're, you're, you're princess, princess cast. They will reign over the fish in the sea. God called you to that. Reign over the birds in the sky, the, the livestock, all the wild animals on the sea, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So the, the first thing that we have to settle is that God created us 
to have, have some attributes or characteristics of God. You've got some things, you have, you have some God qualities, but you also have to understand this, you're not God. He created us to be like God, he didn't create us to be God. And there's a balance to that. There's, there's, there's a balance that says, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the church, he said, uh, don't think of yourself better than what you really are. And I think that the Apostle Paul would also say that don't think of yourself lesser than what you really are. Are you with me? Don't elevate yourself to a place that you should not be elevated. In other words, you're not the, you're not the king or queen of your world, God is. But you are the prince and the princess. Amen? And, and, and you should not put yourself lower. You should not look, you should not devalue your life. You're not defined by what you did in the past because of what Jesus has done for you. King David put it like this in, in Psalm 139. He's inspired by the Holy Spirit, verses 13 and 14. He said, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God, you made every part of me. You, you made the things that people see. You made the things that people don't see. I, I, I am unique. I am, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And Lord God, I'm going to say this is wonderful. How many of you, when you think about what God has done in you and what God is doing through you, you say, thank you, Lord, for the wonderful things that you're doing? We should. Because the devil will say that you're not wonderful. People around you might speak all kinds of negativity. And I'm telling you, you need the positivity of God in your life. When you, when you know that you're special, you'll act special. When you think that you have no worth, you'll act like if you have no worth. It teaches us that God doesn't want for us to hate ourselves or think of ourselves as less than what God does. And, and here are the, the attributes that we see that God has given us in the image of God. So in the image of God, you're, you're made, or God, Adam for sure was created to be spiritual. He was in relationship with God. Now, that's important right there because we're going to look at something in a little bit that's going to help you to understand how, how not only are you special, you're unique. Humans are very, very, very special and unique. We're different from the angels and we're different from the animals. And this is one reason right here. We're, 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 God has given us the ability to be spiritual. He's also given man and woman the ability to be moral. There's morality. So what happens when you're outside of God? Your morality begins to be deprived. Depraved. But the image of God says that you can be moral. 
You're rational. You got some rationality. You can reason things out. You notice when I'm preaching, I'll say, would you consider this? Because I put a lot of value on what God has done in your minds. I believe that, that, that you guys can reason things out. You can consider things, and, and, and we consider things through his word. You got the ability to be active. Say, praise the Lord for that. That means that God says you can get off the couch. You know, you can, you can go out and, and, and do something. You can become motivated by, by, by God. You can become intentional. That's part of the image of God. You also can be responsible. When, you're, when you understand that you're creating the image of God, you quit blaming others for what's going on in your life. Well, it's because my parents did this, or it's because my, you know, my, I was raised in this neighborhood. It's because, I, it's because uh, he or she is... Is this color, it's because there's from this social class or politically and all these different things. Get, put all those excuses aside and become responsible for who God made you. Begin to live out the principles of God. The image of God also means that you're, you can be creative. You can, you can do the, the creativity. Remember we talked about God being the creator have you ever looked at God's masterpiece? Anyone ever looked at a sunset in Arizona? A sunrise? How about the mountains? No one can paint a picture like God can. What people do is paint what God has already made. So you can be creative. We're, we're also called to subdue or, 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 or lord over what God gave us. As, as parents, when you have small children, they look to you when they're babies, you are their substance. You're, you're the one that maintains their life and progressively they begin to follow you as a model. As dad and mom, they, 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 their existence is dependent on how you treat them. If you don't feed a baby, they'll die. So, so we, we, we lord over them we, we, at, at that time, and then we progressively move them into a place where, where they become responsible, but they're dependent on us up to a certain point. But the Bible teaches us with our kids that, that we're supposed to raise them to leave. Someone say amen. Amen. When my adult children come and they feel real comfortable at our house, I say, you know, you guys, we're, we, we, we raised you to leave. We raised you to leave. We love you here. Now the grandkids can stay, but you guys got to go. How many of you feel that way? Can I tell you why we feel that way? Let me tell you why we feel that way. Because the grandkids aren't with us all the time. So when, we're the, when, they're, when they're there, we're like, oh, this is so amazing, you know. And, and when they leave, we're like, you know what, we love them being here, but freedom. <laughs> and then the last thing that is, that is vital about the, the, uh, the image of God is uh, immortality. Because of our relationship to God, 
the image of God means that you're immortal. Now, this is important right here because we're going to really dig deep into that. Because uh, you don't get this wrong. Our immortality is dependent on God. So, sometimes people teach wrongfully that we have an eternal soul. You need to know that the immortal soul was a Greek idea that has tried to penetrate Christendom. Adam and Eve didn't have an immortal soul. Adam and Eve were created out of, uh, Adam was created out of dirt. And then God breathed life into him. Amen? And then when Adam sinned and Eve sinned, well, let's talk about Eve. Eve was created from Adam. There was a bone that was taken from his side, and there's a, there's a whole message in that, so I'm not going to go, but the bone was taken from his side, and as that bone was taken out, God fashioned the woman. And to this day, women are still fashionable. In fact, as I, as I pan everybody, the women are more fashion than the men, by far. But, but to, to, to think that, that our soul is immortal is, is not biblical. And Genesis helps us to understand that. I, I love the way that uh, Old Testament scholar Kenneth Matthews puts it. He's one of the best uh, scholars on the book of Genesis. He said this, The New Testament continues the sense of continuity between the soul and body beyond death as it is found in the Old Testament. Matthew 10, 28, while providing some distinction, implies that both the body and soul together constitute a person, even in Hades. And that's where Jesus said that God can destroy both body and soul in, 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 in hell or Hades. There are no disembodied souls, for the body and soul is, is as person will experience a new mode of existence. And what he's talking about right now is the resurrection. He's going to go into it. So, so let me pause real quick because this is important. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose from the dead how? In a spirit or bodily? The, the, every apostle preached the resurrection of the dead as the centerpiece of our faith. Okay? He goes on to say this. Um, There are no disembodied souls for the body and soul as person will experience a new mode of existence. This resurrection of the body and soul for the saints, the saints being every person who trusts in Jesus, is expressed as a spiritual body. Adam represents the physical, right, psychicals, while Christ and the resurrected saints possess the spiritual body, and you see that in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, 44 to 49. So if you want to do some homework, you can write that down. For Paul, there was no eternal pre-existent soul as found in Greek thought. And the one that introduced this in a big-time way was Plato and Aristotle. So Platonic teaching taught that our soul uh, lived forever, that it was eternal and in fact, Gnosticism, Gnostic teaching crept into the church, and Gnosticism 
The word, the base word right there is gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. Gnosticism was this idea that there were those that had higher knowledge, and, and this higher knowledge, it, it, it taught that, that the body was evil, the body was evil, but the, but the spirit was good. And so the whole goal was to be for the spirit to escape the body because the body was evil. Now, let's go back to Genesis. God created Adam a physical being. Amen? He was not a spiritual being. He was a physical being with, with a, God breathed life into him. He became a living soul. Amen? So that teaches us that the body is good. The only thing that's bad is sin. That's why Jesus came. He came to defeat sin. And when he defeated sin, he defeated death. And he rose from the dead bodily. Are you with me? Very important for, for you to understand. Um, Paul, Paul, writing to Timothy, he wrote this in, uh, in, in 1 Timothy. He, he said, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. What, what Paul is saying to Timothy right there is you, you confess Jesus as your Lord. He says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. The good confession that Jesus made is that I am the Messiah. I am, I am the Savior of mankind, right? To keep the command, he, he says, Timothy, keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. In other words, and this is important, this is eschatology right here. He's saying Jesus is going to appear bodily in his second coming, okay? He's going to come, he's going to reveal himself, and, and that's what we're all waiting for. We're all waiting for Jesus to come back. Say amen if, you, if you're waiting for, okay? So, so he says, at the appearing of Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He... He's talking about Jesus, who is the blessed and sovereign, the only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Now he's talking about the Father. He's talking about the Godhead. And he's saying no one has ever seen God the Father except Jesus who revealed him to this world. But he's saying only God is immortal. Are you with me? So no person has immortality unless we are in, in God. And when you become a believer, when you, when you become a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in us. Amen? And the Holy Spirit gives life to your once dead spiritual man and your spiritual woman. So now, now you become this, this life-bearing person because God has given you life. And that's exactly what Adam lost when he sinned. He lost his spiritual relationship to the Father. And then he also, he also lost his physical ability to, to live on forever. Now, you have to think about this. There's a lot of things that I'm going to unpack. There was a tree in the Garden of Eden that was in the middle. There were two very important trees. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which they weren't supposed to eat. 
from, and the other tree that they could eat from was a very important tree. It was called the tree of what? The tree of life. And their, their dependency on this tree of life was that as long as they ate of that tree, there was a God-given tree. It was a God-given fruit. Amen? As long as they ate of that tree, they would live forever. But guess what happened? When, when, when they were escorted, and we're going to read this later on as we go in the series, they were escorted out of the garden because of their disobedience. Let's put a line right here. And, and God put, a, put an angel, a cherubim, to guard the garden so that they would not be able to what? Eat from the tree of life. And guess what happened after that? They began to, to die. And guess what happens to every person from that day forward? Every person. Every person dies. And I, I, I know you guys think that doesn't happen in first service, but second service maybe. No, no. All of us. All of us. Now, now, now let's just see, let's unpack some things, okay? Paul wrote this to the, to the church in Rome. And probably most of you know this. He said, for the wages of sin is death. But the, the, the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So my eternal life, my immortality is dependent on Jesus. Are you with me? Now, this is theological right here. This is, I'm, I'm unpacking some theological things for you to, be, to, for you to understand that without Genesis... You won't understand this. You, you'll be walking in the dark, and God doesn't want you to walk in the dark. My immortality is a gift that is received in Jesus Christ. Say amen if you believe that. Now, this is what Jesus told Martha. Martha's brother Lazarus had died, and, and Jesus comes on the scene. He waited four days before he went over there because he wanted to make sure that Lazarus was dead because he was going to raise him from the dead. And this is what, what, what Jesus told Martha. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will, will live. Even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. So his life gives me new life from the death that comes through sin. And not only, not only does Jesus give me eternal life, but Jesus gives me an abundant life. Amen? In John 10, verse 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. How many of you have experienced the abundant life of Jesus? Can I tell you why it's abundant? Because you don't have to fear death anymore. Because you know that even if you die, if you're in Christ, you will live. Are you with me? He, he, he restores. See, this is so important. Res, uh, Jesus restores the image of God that was marred through sin. After Adam, Adam died spiritually. So the image of God was marred. Uh, after Adam sinned, Adam struggled uh, morally. In fact, you see his offsprings begin to struggle. Uh, uh, Cain killed Abel. And he tells Abel, 
I'm, he tells God, not Abel, he says, am I my brother's keeper? Can I tell you something? When Jesus comes into, my, into your life, he restores that image. And guess what you say? I am my brother's keeper. Your morality changes. You know, the, 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 the rationale, Adam, Adam was not the same person after he sinned. It was marred. He was not as rational. Uh, the activity changed. Uh, he went to work, but work became, became difficult. Let me tell you what happens when Jesus comes into your life. Work doesn't become difficult. In your work, you bring glory to God. And what you do with your hands, you say, this is a blessing. I'm able to glorify the Lord. Every time you guys go to work, you should be whistling on the way. He, he, he brought, uh, you know, activity. He, he brought responsibility. God does. Adam was not responsible. There was marred. But Jesus came to restore that. He came to, re, to, to, to restore the, the creativity. Uh, if you look at all the arts that, that have been done throughout the world, can I tell you that a lot of the, t the best art has been done through Christians because God brings creativity. God brings uh, the ability to, to lead in a way that honors him. He restored that through Jesus, and then he restored immortality. Look at what Peter put in, uh, in his letter to, um, to the church. 1 Peter chapter 1, right at the very beginning, verse 3 and 4, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope so we don't have a dead hope amen we have a living hope through through what through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that's that's everything the apostles preached that Jesus was alive physically and spiritually amen okay let's 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 go back uh, and into an inheritance that can never perish. In other words, what God has given you will never perish. It will never spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who, though, who, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. And what he's talking about that, about right there, Lord, I mean, uh, beloved, is, is that the Lord's going to come back and we're waiting for that because that's when we're going to experience everything as it should be. This is not our home. We're just pilgrims passing through. You know how I know that? Because the other day I was playing this game called pickleball, right? And I, and I, and I did something very foolish. Because in my mind, I think I'm 30. But my body says you're 58. And so I, 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 I was jumping. My wife says, why are you jumping? Who do you think you are? You're not 30. And I was jumping. I mean, I thought I was doing incredible, by the way. And so I, I go to, this, to hit this ball, and, and I, I push off of, my, off of my foot. I push, and I heard something snap. I just heard a pop. And, and I honestly thought that the person that I was playing with threw a ball at me or something, hit me in the back of my calf. And then I tried to walk, and I couldn't walk. And it's a miracle that I'm walking as good as I am right now. This is a, thank you, Lord, by the way. And, and so, so I felt this snap, and I heard this snap, and it was my calf muscle that, that did something. I'm going to say tore, probably. But guess what? It, it, it speaks to me that this is not my home, because when I go to glory and I play pickleball, that I believe is going to be, first of all, I'm going to be able to jump like crazy. I can't jump. Notice I'm not jumping on that foot. 
This is not our home. Cancer won't have the last word in heaven. Liver disease, diabetes, dementia, Alzheimer's, it will not be able to enter into where we're going. So here, here's the second takeaway from, from the image of God. Not only are you um, a, a very special person, but you're a distinct creation. You're a distinct creation. Not only are you a prized creation, but you're a distinct creation. In, in chapter 2 of Genesis, we read in detail how God created man to be different from all created things. Here's what it says, verse 4. When the Lord God, notice that it said in, in, in chapter 1, God created, Elohim. Now it says Yahweh Elohim, Lord God. Yahweh is the covenant name of God in relationship to people. So chapter 2 starts with the Lord God. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to the water, sent rain to water the earth. Pause real quick. Now, if you have any understanding of Genesis, you understand that that rain would come later. Now, God knows everything. Say amen if you believe that. God knew that men were going to fail and women. He knew that rain was coming later. And that rain that would come would come through a flood. Amen? But he would save people in that flood. And those people were going to, their names were going to be Noah, his wife, and his children. Amen? You can read into that, okay? So there, the rain had not been sent to water the earth. And there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the what? The dust of the ground. Now, that's just a physical body, right? He's, but he's not done, right? He, 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 like a potter, makes a vessel. God created man. And then he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostril. And the man became, the, 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 original, the, the, the original word is the, the man became a living soul. The NLT says the man became a living person. Now, what I want us to take away from this, it's God's breath that brought life to Adam. And that's important because God made man both physical and spiritual. Being created in the image of God, human beings are different than, than every other created thing. Let me explain something to you, okay? Animals, animals, all the animal kingdom are physical, not spiritual. They're not in relationship to God like, like humans are. They're physical, okay? Now, what's the other created uh, beings that God made? The angels. Now, the angels are spiritual, not physical. Say amen if you... Yeah. Okay, so angels are spiritual. Animals are physical. Only man and woman have the ability to be both physical and spiritual. 
You are distinct from all of creation. You, you were created to live in, 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 in what you might think two worlds. Uh, Paul Hoff, a professor of theology, in his commentary on Genesis, put this. He said, God created man for existence in two worlds. Adam was linked with the creature world by being formed on the same day as, as the higher animals and by being made from the ground. Look at verse 7 and 19. The word for Adam is like the word for ground, Adama, and emphasizes his earth, earthiness. The first man was from the dust of the, of the earth. If you look at 1 Corinthians 15, 47, you'll see that confirmed. And was perfectly fitted for life in the earthly environment. And, or we can put as well as being created in God's image, meaning he was prepared for eternal life in communion, <clears throat> in communion with God. In other words, he was, he was created with a spiritual ability to be in communion with God. Are you with me? So, why is that important? Because it'll guard you from, from wrongful teaching that says that the body's bad. That only the spirit is good. What we need to understand is that when God created Adam, he created him for this paradise, and Adam was both physical and spiritual. And it was good. And, and we see that in, 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 uh, when he says, God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. Amen? Now, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? What does it mean to people around us? It means this. Before Jesus came into my life, I lived in a, in a carnal existence. Carnal, is, in Spanish, you get the word carne from that. How many of you are, 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 speak Spanish? To say, I know what carne means. What does carne mean? Flesh. So outside of, outside of, God, outside of Jesus, all of us live in the flesh. We live, we live in, 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 in the natural man. But because of Jesus, we are able to walk and live in the spiritual man or woman. We can discern the things of God. Before Jesus came into my, into my life, if I would read the Bible, I wouldn't understand what it says. But because Jesus came into my life, I read this and it's, it's life to me. It makes sense. It feeds my soul because I'm spiritual. And, and so it, it, it even says to me that, that until I'm born again, until I come into this new relationship with God and, and, my, and my, spiritual, my spiritual discernment, my spiritual antenna is turned on and, it, and it's focused on God, that, that I can't even discern the things of God. Are you with me? When, when we sing, Shauna was singing that song about spirit, spirit of the living God, come upon us. That makes no sense to anybody unless you, you're, you're in the spirit. Are you with me? But when you're in Christ, he, he opens up for us to understand. He opens up our understanding because we're in relationship with him. We're in fellowship with him. And our spirit meets with his spirit. And we're alive. So it, what does it say about people that don't know Jesus? Well, we need to pray for them so that God will move, on to, move into their hearts and make them spiritually alive by being born again. Are you with me? 
See, see, the people that are leading our country, if they're not walking with Jesus, they don't understand the things of God. So I pray, in fact, at 7 a.m. prayer today, guess what we did? We prayed for all the leaders, national, state, and local. For what? For them to find Jesus. Look what, look what Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. He says, as Christ lives in you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I'm going to pause real quick. This is important. If, if you've named Jesus as your Lord, you've been made alive through the power of God. The, the, the Spirit of God who, who, who was, was far from you, who... Who, who, who you weren't in relationship, once you say, Jesus, I need you in my life, the Holy Spirit comes and he makes his abode in your, in your soul. He awakens you to the things of God. That's what he's saying right here. And then he goes on, he says in verse 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit that is living within you. My outlook on life changed the day that I received Jesus. Because God began to work internally. If you're mad at everybody, if you, if you can't get along, you need to say, Lord God, fill me. Because the more of God that, that is filling, filling you, the more that he takes death out of you. The more that he removes all the yucky things that you were in the past. The more that, remember when I talked about chaos, if, if you have chaos in your life, you need to draw closer to God. Amen? If you have anger in your life, if you have unforgiveness in your life, you need, to, you need to walk away from that anger, that unforgiveness, and get closer to God and say, Lord, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Extract, if you have thoughts that, that, that you know, uh, uh, thoughts of sexual thoughts that are wrong and all these things, you say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me. Because the more of God we have, the more life that we have, the more holiness that we have, and the more that we can walk in his purposes. Amen? Now, I'm going I'm to finish with a very important takeaway. Those two are important, but this is just as important. Created in the image of God, uh, it, it brings clarity to the confusion. And let me say this. There's a lot of confusion in our world. we got to go back to verse 27 and 28. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then, okay, so, so there's a difference, right? And God knows the difference. Okay, he's not confused. But look at what it says next. He blessed them. There's a blessing when you're not confused. Because when you are confused, you're conflicted. And we have a lot of people that are, that, are, that, are, that are walking around this good earth that are very conflicted. And the reason they're conflicted is because they're confused. And when, they're, when you're confused, you cannot walk in the blessing of God. So, th so then God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Well, that makes a lot of sense right there too. 
the only way that you can pre- procre- uh, procreate, the only way that you can procreate is a man and a woman. Say amen if you believe that. You can artificially do something. You can artificially do something, but you're not doing it naturally. Amen? So that helps me to, to not be confused right there. So I got to say this as I, as I, as I want, begin to close. I don't want to be insensitive because we live in a world that is marred by sin. And I, I got to say this, that before Jesus came into my life, I could care less about these things. But when Jesus came into my life, let, let, me, let me back up and give you understanding of what I just said. Before Jesus came into my life, I said, you know what, let people live the way they, they're going to live. Just let them, it's, it's their life. Let them do what they're going to do. But when Jesus came into my life and he began to change my heart and my soul and he made me alive in Christ, I do care about people being confused. I do care about pe- people being conflicted and not walking in the blessing of God, okay? Now, why do I say this? Because Paul said it. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, he said this. This is so good. Now, this doesn't make sense without Genesis, you understanding Genesis. This is what Paul says. Yes, they knew God, but they didn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And that's what we, we have that in our world. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Amen? Pantheism, where you make everything God. Atheism, where we say there is no God, right? Keep on going right here. As a result, their minds became dark and what? And confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. I was reading in Isaiah uh, earlier uh, earlier this morning. It talked about this exact same thing. Okay, now, when, when, when you understand Genesis and people walk away from that and, and they have no understanding of God and they begin to turn God into everything that they, they think in their minds, it's foolishness because they're confused. And I can say this because I've been there before Jesus. So this, so this is what happens. Uh, Paul goes on to write, he says this in verse 24. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Let me ask a question. Does that happen? Why does it happen? Because people are confused. That, that's why it happens. It has nothing. I don't think that anyone wakes up and, as a child and says, I really want to do vile and degrading things. I don't think anyone does that. But the, the further that you are from God, the, the further that you do things you will do things that don't please God, that, that you're not even intended to do, okay? Verse 25, they traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Verse 26, that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. Now, this is God's word, Okay? This just tells us what happens if you don't understand that we were created both male and female. I may get censored for saying this, but it's God's word. And we, we've got to adhere to God's word, okay? We, we, we cannot try to twist God's word. It, it says it very clearly. 
they, they, um, where am I at? Verse 27. And the men, and the men, instead of having normal, love it. Instead of having normal, you know, sexual relations with women, they burn with lust for each other. And men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of the, this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty that they deserved. Now, here's the thing. It all stems to this. The further that you get from God, the, the, the further that the, when you're far from God, you become spiritually dead. And you cannot respond in the natural way that God created us. Are you with me? And it will destroy a society. It will destroy a nation. It will destroy a world. But here's the good news. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He came to restore the image of God back to men. He came to restore the image of God back to women. Let me read the, the last part. Because this is, Paul, he's writing, that was chapter one. He's saying, everyone's guilty, you know. They've done this, they've exchanged this. Now look what he says in, in, in chapter three, verse 23. Everyone has sinned. Someone say, wow, amen. That's us. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. In other words, when you were living in sexual sin, God says, I have a plan. I can free you from that. When you're living in materialism, God says, I, I have a plan. I can free you from that. When, when you're living in, 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 in arrogance and you're boastful, God says, I have a plan. I can free you from that. He said, God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who had sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus. The hope for the world is Jesus. The hope for those that are, that are living in their sin, the the hope for those individuals that are, that are darkened in their understanding, that are dead because of their trespasses. The hope that we have is only in Jesus Christ. And without Genesis, we'll never understand the foundation that God created everything good. That God made you very distinct. Let me tell you something, man, and let me tell you something, sir. You're not a monkey, even if you act like one. <laughs> I 
Let me tell you something, ma'am, and let me tell you something, sir. You're not an angel, even when you think you act like one. You're a human being made in the image of God who Jesus Christ came to restore so that you could have life in him and not have to worry about being separated from him for the rest of your life. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray your hand of blessing upon each person here. May we be drawn closer to you through the shed blood of our Savior. And may we walk in this newness of life, alive, not only physically, but spiritually, for the glory of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everyone said amen and amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.